Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who, if combined, would make one hell of a woodworker. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Aw, yeah, it's Wood Talk number 383 for May 22nd, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about different types of chisels, getting the most from your jack plane, and what if Matt moves? And we'd like to thank some folks who helped support us over at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodtalk. We have Greg, Brock, James, Sodom, Marilyn Guthrie, Harry, Harry Richardson, Nicholas Steffi, and Blaise Morin. Thank you so much, everybody, for helping us out. We really appreciate the support. And again, go to patreon.com slash woodtalk, and you can find out how you can help out the show and get a couple things in return and some bonus content, too, like the email extra show, which is a lot of fun, and we do that every week. So I think we could just jump right into the good stuff here, guys. What is on the bench? Want me to go first? Can I go first? That was the fastest intro ever. Well, there's no sponsor, just our patrons. Well, I'm sponsored by today. Us. So there's a, there's a bench hook. Uh, there's a piece of poplar. Here's some Spanish cedar. There you go. Uh, and some knife hinges. Bruso knife hinges. So Ooh, there we nice. Go. They're not sponsoring That's today. It. We're not supposed to talk about them. Okay. They're they're. <laughs> That's not true. We love those guys. Okay. So what's on the bench? I'm uh, doing something very, very important. I'm building a wall and uh, covering up one of those garage doors. Finally. That's all. Wow. <laughs> it's so exciting, right? Now, I went to, uh, I went to Wait, Home Depot. Who's paying for the wall? What's that? Who's paying for the wall? Uh, you know who? The Mexicans. Oh, should we even <laughs> say that? That's getting a little bit too political. See, I thought that's broke maybe own, we were going with a little bit. With I the broke my own rule, but Matt set it up and I had to go for it. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. Okay, so this wall is basically just boxing in the garage door, turning a garage door space into a utility space, something I could hang stuff from. And I'm kind of reversing some of the stuff in the shop. The assembly tables go into one side and the uh, workbench is going to the other side and just a lot of moving stuff around. But the wall structure itself is just basic two by four, you know, 16 on center. I put a little bit of insulation in there, though I don't really think I truly needed it, but it is in front of a door that could have, you know, air leaks and things like that. So I did a little bit of insulation on it and uh, covered it with that T111 siding material, which just, I think it kind of looks good. looks very woody and woodworky. And I'm going to apply a very light stain to it just to darken it up because I think it's a little too naturally, just a little too yellow. I, I just don't like the way it appears on video. So I'm going to darken it up a little bit. And I got to say, I'm pretty happy with the results overall. It's, it's nice and sturdy and it is just temporary in a sense that if, if we ever have to move, for whatever reason, that thing's coming out and I'm not going to try to sell a house with a non-functional garage door. <laughs> so it is but just, it looks so, so nice. is it, is it floor to ceiling? Like, no, no. Did you, so how did you actually build this? I mean, is it anchored with wood into the floor or did you just like bring out like supports from like the ledger above the door or something? Yeah, and basically it's just offset. So it sits in front of the, the, garage tracks. So it's only coming off the wall about seven or eight inches, which is what I needed to get the clearance for those tracks. Uh, from there, it's just kind of braced with angle iron, like Simpson strong tie, um, right angle pieces mm -hmm. that are going into the framing around the garage door and then holding this piece in place. And it really doesn't take much for a, a, a wall this small. It really doesn't take many of those going up the sides and over the top to hold that thing in place and make it sturdy. And I just got a little bit of liquid nails and a pressure treated, um, plate on the bottom to kind of just hold it in place. So if I had to move, you know, and get the stuff out of here, I could have that thing torn down in about, you know, five or 10 minutes. Uh, and the other thing is in Denver, 
I know it's code and none of this is to code. I mean, I didn't get permits for this. This is something that like, if, if I had to, it would come out. This is not something I'm going to try to sell the house with. Uh, but in Denver with the soil that we have here, the movement is pretty crazy. So if you put any kind of a wall, uh, load bearing or structural or something that's floor to ceiling, you actually have to let that wall float. Anyone who's seen uh, Andy Klein's Denver move basement videos, you'll see the insane amount of extra work he had to do to put walls in his basement and they they have to actually float them on these very large nails so that the wall itself if the ground heaves it doesn't push the wall up so what i've got here is i I didn't do that because i like to break the rules and uh and take chances but if that wall moves it's not actually floor to ceiling so if there were any movement there it's only going to affect the the door frame and it shouldn't be too dramatic i think some of the things i have there could take a bit of stress before there's any major problems and I should be able to see it if I need to, to do something to fix it. But, um, the house has been here for a while. There's not, you know, it doesn't seem like the soil's moving all that much just to, to look at the concrete at this point. So uh, I am taking a little bit of a, a gamble there, but it's sort of a calculated gamble. And if this were bearing a load or going all the way to the ceiling, then I'd be a little bit more concerned about it, but it's, it's just over the height of the door. Can you actually access the dead space between the the wall and the door? No, there is no dead space. It's uh, filled <clears throat> with insulation at this point. There, oh, there really I was just was, thinking of a place where you could like throw stuff. Yeah, like, that you know, has up been and over the top of the wall. That actually has been suggested to create kind of a little slot cubby where you could put like snow shovels and things that you only need seasonally. Uh, but I'm, I'm at. I was thinking Dunkin' Donuts cups and <laughs> just a big garbage can. <laughs> yeah, I, I like about that. the amount of the amount of garbage you could fit in there. What I could Come do on, is just put just... like I drill a hole in it, and then that'll be my garbage chute. I just stuff stuff in there. Yeah. See, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> yeah. no big deal. And then every couple of years, uh, somehow open the garage door from the outside and just let it all pour out. Bring a dumpster in. Yeah. But yeah, just, over just close the garage door again. No one will notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, overall, I think it's really going to help me out because I, anyone who has a garage workshop knows how useless the garage door interior space is. And obviously, if it's a functional door, there's nothing you could do. But if it's a, a door that you could sacrifice and make it non-functional, it really does give you a lot of extra space. So um, looking forward to populating it with clamps because I'm going to move my clamps over. <laughs> and uh, not, I'm not buying more. I'm just moving my clamps. And a lost opportunity for Cremona here. I offered Matt Cremona my floor standing mortiser, which Powermatic doesn't even make anymore. It's they make one, but not this one. This one is like super heavy duty. Comes with like a one inch hollow chisel on it in case you know you want to make any houses anytime soon. And uh, I offered it to Matt, and I said, "Hey man, let's just trade. You give me your dinky one because I'd like to have one. I just don't want a giant one." And he uses it a lot, right? And he's got some fairly large pieces, so he could use something like this. And his wife won't let him leave home. What do you think about that? Oh. Oh. She wants to come with us and uh, or with me, but uh, she went and spent all her vacation days on maternity leave. Stupid babies. Tell what me. a lady, you know? Seriously. Well, anyways, I did find a buyer for it. So uh, someone from, I think, the Guild page is going to stop by and pick that bad boy up. And I think what I'm going to do is probably, you know, if I really need one, I'm just going to get a, a tabletop version. I just don't use it enough to justify taking up all that extra floor space. So kind of it was a difficult thing to do because it is a really, really nice hollow chisel mortiser. But, you know, if you don't use it, what, what I mean, Matt, you're going through this right now with your shop, right? Yeah. Like, if you're not using it, it's got to go. Yeah. Get it out. I mean, it's just wasted <clears throat> space. And if you didn't have a home for it, I'd take it off your hands just to, you know, 
put in the corner and put coffee on it. <laughs> yeah. Just, just create YouTube comments. Just a, a giant paperweight. I know what you're doing when the camera's off. You're not cutting yeah. old Morrison's by hand. That's true. You I only a, show one. We know what's right. I had a guy on. the other day who insisted that I was standing in front of a green screen uh, because <laughs> the way my new lights, the way my new lights work, I, I now have overhead actual hair light for like three, three point lighting. And I guess it creates enough of a separation from the background that he's like, he was convinced that my tool cabinet was a green screen. I was like, yeah, well, you know, and when you lift it up, there's like a table saw and a power joiner and everything behind it, which, (laughs) you know, I would, I would admire anybody that did that. The sheer amount of just like post-production editing and, and like gear and equipment in the shop to be able to pull that off would actually be, you know, I I would admire that to the illusion. There was, um, uh, what's his name? Mark Adams, the guy with the the big school in Indiana. He had a series of videos. They're really old at this point, but uh, DVDs on woodworking. And they all looked like that. Like if you watch and study the video, it, I used to think it all the time. Like, is that, was that a studio? Is that a space in the shop? But if a, if a scene is lit in just the right way, you can give it any, like a very artificial oh, yeah. look. <clears throat> so I guess that's what you've attained. Good job. Yay. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing, but good job. <laughs> now, now I'm ready to get a green sheet and do some really cool stuff. Yeah, there you, know. you go. Broadcasting from Niagara Falls this week. Yeah, <laughs> brought my workbench. We're going to build a barrel and go over the falls. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Woo. All right. So Matt, I mentioned. Do you have any idea how many views would that get? What that would get though? At least a few. That's, that's compelling. I, I would watch it. You get one from me. I would totally Even two from me. Who knows? <laughs> watch it twice. <laughs> Uh, so Matt, I, I mentioned cleaning your shop. <laughs> right. What do you got going on? I started cleaning up my shop. It's been okay. a long time coming. Um, I've been wanting to like actually go through the shop and kind of address the whole thing as like a whole unit because like when I move into the shop and like over the years, like I, I'm just like I'm not a shop person in the sense that like I'd rather be building furniture than building shop furniture. And like get my shop all nice. The time I spent out there, I'd rather building projects that aren't just for the shop. Mm-hmm. So like over the years, it's kind of caught up to me because I've acquired more things, a lot of small things. And it's like where you put them all, everything always seems to get shuffled from horizontal surface to horizontal surface. And the whole like put your stuff away when you're done with it doesn't really work because it doesn't go anywhere. So like you can't put it away. So <laughs> that never really to worked put it that away well. Too? <laughs> <laughs> the only place to put away is move it over here to this other space that's not occupied by something else. <laughs> so I've been kind of wrestling with that. So part of the thing I'm doing this year is kind of addressing that throughout the shop. And one of the things I did last week, as I was thinking about the shop as a whole and like the organization structure, what I have in the shop, I kept coming back to like my biggest problem with like stuff everywhere. And it's just lumber. There's just wood everywhere in my shop. And I did this last but last summer, I think it was, where I gave away a bunch of like scraps and offcuts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this week, I gave away all the stuff that I held on to last time. So like the people that came by last time, they got the actual scraps. The people that came by this time and took everything, they got like the stuff I was holding on to because someday I might want to make something out of this. But like as I was thinking about my workflow and the way I work, if I have like a four foot piece of cherry, I'm never gonna use it because. If I'm building a piece of furniture out of cherry, I'm going to build that piece of furniture out of one set of boards from the same log. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm never going to be like, oh, I need this little piece from over here. I can mix it in with this panel or something because I wouldn't just right. never do that. So there is no reason for me to have that in the shop anyway. <clears> so I got rid of everything less, like the four foot offcuts and less, those all went. Every single one of them, I had a whole stack of them. Um, I took every single thing off my lumber rack 
<clears throat> and the only thing I'll put back up there is the stuff for any the current projects I'm working on, any upcoming projects. So if the lumber rack actually serves a purpose other than long-term lumber storage because I have long-term lumber storage outside the shop, so there really isn't any reason for me to have any. Logs. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, there's no reason for me to put any lumber in the shop. So I like my top shelf of my lumber rack was all boards that have been there since I put them there like years ago. And I mean, they're still good. They're like eight foot boards, nine foot boards, whatever. They can still be used for something. But I have like a whole stack of boards in here in the house where I keep my other lumber. So why is the stuff going to be out there? No, there's no reason for it to be out there. <laughs> <laughs> You're not helping the Sanford inside uh, meme going on here. Oh, I just keep the rest of my lumber in the house. <laughs> oh, as one does. <laughs> Maybe I should watch the show. Something. You should. It's totally worth it. It's, it's such a unique way to to do your your woodworking. You know what I mean? Just in your situation with your lumber it provides like a, a very unique scenario that most of us don't have the luxury of. It's a first world problem, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. For as far as woodworking goes, a first world problem. Yes, yes. As far as woodworking goes, goes yes, yes. But yeah, I got um, the shop is really empty, and it was really surprising to me like how much wood I had in the shop. And now, like, there is a noticeable echo in the shop. Now. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. So sound absorption was something you didn't anticipate. That's interesting. <laughs> I didn't. Now, when I'm standing by my table saw, there is so much echo back there now because there's, a, like, a wall of wood mm-hmm. just sitting there absorbing all those sound rate waves. Is so that impacting video for you? Uh, hasn't, I haven't noticed it on, on video yet because I don't talk to the wall. But if I turn around and like face the wall and talk at it, you can hear it. You just talk to the wall when you're not filming. Correct. Okay. Yes. It's a check. Say, don't <laughs> don't think face. of it as an echo. Just think of it as, as a friend a in new the shop friend. to have a conversation with. Oh, hello. Hello. Someone keeps talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Matt also uh, runs from his shadow outside, so he has this Shadows issue. run from me. <laughs> That's oh. okay. That's the time of day, I guess. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Half of the time it's chasing me. The other half of the time I'm chasing it. I don't understand. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, oh man. Well, good. That sounds cool, man. It sounds like, um, so like is with all this new room, are there any acquisitions coming in because you've made room or is it just, let's enjoy this space and, you know, dance between um, tools. <clears throat> nothing particularly like as far as tools go. Cause a lot of it was just the wall space and just like, like a room around stuff. Like mm-hmm. the biggest thing I'm excited about is like what people won't enjoy, which is like being able to move my tripod and light box around much mm. easier. Oh yeah. Especially with the, the tripod and the legs that go out. So you actually have room for the whole base to contact the floor instead of usually I'm like one leg is up on something. Another leg is up on something else. <laughs> and then right. the other one's on the floor. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Telling you, man, light panels from the ceiling. That's the way to do it. It'll change yeah, your life. Well, that's the other thing I'm working on, too, is like over where I have my bench, I have a lot of light there, so mm-hmm. I don't really need the light box over there that much unless I'm lighting a shot with my face in it, and then I use it. But otherwise, there's enough light generated by the ceiling lights where I don't need any fill light. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'm doing with the shop this year, my dad's actually going to come up and help me with this. He's gonna, we're going to drywall the ceiling, so I'll have like white ceiling, which will help with the light as well. But I'm also going to fill the rest of the shop with the same amount of light as I have over the bench. So we're talking like, how many more fixtures would that be? Uh, eight more fixtures? Eight, eight foot fixtures? Something nice. like that? That's a lot of extra light. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> chance having a, a rave over a little, there. little disco party. <laughs> Sweet. 
what, what? Nice. Shannon's showing off his, what do you have? The heck is talking about lighting. Philip's Hue lights or something? Yeah. Sweet. Well, very good. So, Shannon, aside from partying in your shop, what do you got going on? Well, hold on. Somebody just turn this off. It might be a little distracting. Just a bit. Is anyone seizing yet? Just a bit distracting. There we go. That's better. <clears throat> um, you, you know, it was it was a quiet week in the shop for me this week, just because stupid day job took a lot of my time um, doing some more tutorials for the hand tool school, and then I was in New York City on Saturday for uh, taking a Broadway show. One of the reasons I wasn't at Handworks this uh, weekend because my wife got for my birthday last March got me tickets and. We also went to like a really awesome five-star restaurant. If you guys ever watched that show Chopped on Food Network or whatever, mm-hmm. um, one of the judges of that, Alex Gornishelli, her restaurant's called Butter, which how can it not be good if it's called Butter? We, <laughs> we went there. Sounds good and for then, you. Uh, took, took, in a, took in a show. So um, other than that, I um, started working on um, a small cabinet. For it, it, this all started as doing a demonstration on knife hinges, and I was like, "Well, you know, I have a door that I did in another demo years ago that's just been kind of hanging out in my shop, so I need to build like a frame that I can do an inset knife hinge install." And I was like, "Well, you know, if I'm going to go ahead and build a frame, I might as well make like a little box, like a little cabinet, and I can put it on." In typical fashion, that uh, resulted in me heading out to the lumber shed and digging through boards. And what should have just been a couple of pieces of poplar, like pocket screwed together to make a frame, has turned into a full dovetailed case made out of uh, African shedua with a quilted maple door <laughs> that's now knife hinged in place. And it, it's a totally, it's a very, it will be when it's done, it will be a very cool looking uh, wall cabinet. But this goes back to our art conversation last week on the weekend show. Mm-hmm. It's going to be almost entirely non-functional uh, because of the sizes of the the schedule that I have. And and like Matt, I've been hanging on to like four foot long boards thinking, well, it's not big enough to make a piece of furniture, but maybe I'll make a box out of it or something. So I only have two pieces of this stuff and the total depth of the cabinet will be about two and a half inches. So it's basically a medicine cabinet, I guess, is all that it can be. But I just I just can't see what I'm going to use it for other than eye candy to hang on the wall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there we go. It's That will be art rather than furniture based on our last conversation. <laughs> nice. We actually got a ton of feedback on this. So we'll talk about it a oh, little good. bit on the kickback. But uh, go check out the post for that one. And we've got a lot of people just chiming in on their thoughts about uh, art versus craft, things like that. So. Ooh, it's dark there all of a sudden. Oh, you look creepy. It's the weekend. Now. Yeah. All right. So that's it for what's on the bench. Let's get into what's new. Uh, so very quickly, it hasn't been published yet. I think it's going to be coming out this week, but I was able to guess. It was more like an interview style thing on a Modern Makers podcast. That's at modernmakerspodcast.com. And you guys know uh, the Four Eyes guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Salamone and uh, uh, two other guys. Really very talented. <laughs> <laughs> don't spit it out Shannon oh man I wow. can't wait to tell people about Wood Talk you know, it was me Mark Spagnuolo and these two other guys, two other guys. I forget their names <laughs> go to their about page they weren't on the show it was, just, it was a one on one interview so oh, I didn't, I didn't okay. even get to meet oh, those okay. guys slightly better is that a little yeah. bit better? jeez <laughs> just a bit 
Uh, there was one guy, I think his name is Guy, and the other guy, he, I don't know, they're all very talented. I mean, I listened to the show, it was good. But <laughs> so this interview should be coming out this week, and it was a, it was pretty good. We didn't talk about like your typical stuff. It was a very fun interview, and then uh, Chris's videos are just fantastic. So I'm kind of hooked on his his stuff because he's got that very, he's got a, a, a like a degree of serenity to his productions that are just fun to to have in the background. It's a very relaxing video to watch, kind of like the, uh, was it the, is it Ishitani? Am I pronouncing mm-hmm. it right? That guy's stuff, you know, like where you could just sit there and just zone out in it. And I think he does a really good job with his stuff. So anyway, check it out. Should be out this week. Um, but it was a fun conversation. Well, and speaking of that, <clears throat> one of the things that I dropped in there, what's new was actually Chris's uh, record player. Uh, we're giving him too much love. <laughs> Take that out of there. Yeah. Well, the, the, the thing is, is <laughs> I don't watch as much YouTube probably as I should, what a jerk. Um, but most of yeah, the time it's, it's like on my phone or something like during a lunch break or <clears throat> potty break <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm. But Chris's stuff, I like to put on the big screen, you know, here in the shop, I'll throw it up on the TV. Um, and it, it's just overall, you know, the design is good, but he puts a lot of thought into his designs and he explains his thought process. So, uh, yeah, there's something to be said about that. His yeah. stuff is art. It is in the world oh, of video. Oh boy. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> like Frank Howarth in a way, you know, it's, it, it yes. tran- transcends simply, um, you know, passing on a message and information to a whole different level, um, outside of just instructional content. So I like, I like guys who do that. I agree. Uh, what else we got? Should I put it in there. Okay, so there's this little thing about handworks. Is that did you put that in there, Shannon? Yeah, I did. Because um, obviously, I had a lot of comments from people this weekend, like, "Oh, you should have been handworked. Why weren't you at handworks? Should have been to a guy." And it's like, you know, that would have been great. I would have loved to go to handworks, but you know, the two full time job thing was a little bit difficult. But what handworks has become now is almost a place for the tool manufacturers, specifically the hand tool guys, to release like the new products. So it seems like it's only every other year, but every other year, um, you know, there's all kinds of teasing leading up to it. Somebody has a limited edition poster or whatever, but this year it seemed like a lot of people pulled out all the stops. Um, Benchcrafted has been teasing about their little swing out stools, like bench mounted stools mm-hmm. for a while. Um, and, and they do this where they release them and it's like, you know, we're bringing 80 of them to the show. First come, first serve. And then like a month from now, they'll be available on the website. And usually there's some sort of pricing deal to, to buy it at Handwork. So it's just interesting that now this show has become – well, it used to be that way with the industry shows like AWFS and IWF and stuff like that. They used to like – there would be special show prices and special like product releases and stuff. So it's kind of exciting to see that happening in the hand tool world. Um, Veritas uh, released their combination plane. So they finally, somebody's tried to remake the Stanley 45s and 55s. I think it's available in August. Blue Spruce now has a fret saw. Um, and then I saw a bunch of other stuff, but seeing as I wasn't there, um, I would say anybody who's listening who did go, send us a voice memo and tell us what your takeaway from Handworks was. Hmm. What, are, what were the new tools? What were the, you know, we even talk about this at WIA. Like what was the, what was the sleeper class? Like what was the one that you wish you'd been to or was the one that made the entire class? What was the, the one new tool or one deal or whatever that made Handworks for you? We want to hear from you. So Handworks is like the new, like the E3 of woodworking. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So pretty soon there's going to be giant booths and all this spectacle, booth babes and all that stuff, right? Yeah, but they're still going to fit it inside a barn. So, you know, reserved booths. <laughs> yeah. Booth babes with sheep. 
Yeah, they, well, speak, <laughs> speaking oh, of sheep, on so many levels, <laughs> uh, on a lot of those pictures, did it not look like a human cattle drive? It looked a little tight. <laughs> like, like they really just tight. shoved them all in there, like a shoulder to shoulder space as people are trying to maneuver around that place. Uh, if you're at all claustrophobic or germaphobic, maybe not the event for you to go to. Yeah, it looked a little rough. A little tight, a little tight. All right. What well, I wonder is like, because every time I see it, you know, that and it's probably just the exposure on the camera that took the photo, but it always looks very dark. You know, they have like the Christmas lights on the beams and stuff. Yeah. I just imagine I'd be like, you know, what what is that new tool? <laughs> Especially because like all Veritas tools are black. So it'd be like, is that a combo plane over there or just a shadow? What What's going on? Yeah, that would yeah. be one of those events where I get really nervous when I could start to smell people's <laughs> deodorant. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then later or in the day, thereof. later in the day, uh, yeah, it smells more like a lack of deodorant that starts to get me nervous. I don't like to be that close to people. <laughs> well, but, what, what yeah. was most eye-opening for me is I'm going to get flack for admitting this, but I, I couldn't, there's no way I could have gotten away, but there wasn't the appeal for me this year. And cause I am so not in a tool acquisition mode of my woodworking. Mm-hmm. I don't, there are no tools that I absolutely need. So I know a lot of the people that went that were really excited had a very, like a very specific shopping list. You know, they were going to, to shop from, um, you know, superior tools or going to buy vintage tools or buy like whatever the latest release was. A lot of people were going to the Benchcrafted booth or the Bad Axe booth to buy a specific item. Um, and seeing as I'm not in the market for anything, I was kind of like, well, like, uh, I'm not really that upset about missing it. Certainly the social element would be really cool, but <laughs> this, if the social element is, is crammed in like sardines, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> you can get very close to some people who yeah. watch your show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It kind of makes me sad. Like maybe I should just, you know, like Matt did with his wood, just sell off all my tools just so I can get back into tool buying mode. <laughs> just that. Maybe I'm missing a whole aspect of woodworking. Speaking of first world problems, I have all the tools I need. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, acquisition is, I think, part of that excitement phase, you know, as you're really getting into, I find this with any new thing, any kind of new hobby you're interested in, the acquisition of the things to do that hobby is a fun phase of the process. But then you do eventually get to a point where that's no longer part of it. And now it's simply making things. But I I could see why if, if that is primarily a product focused show, if you're not willing to buy, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying you're not that interested in what they have there. Right. Well, I mean, like WIA, the marketplace is always cool, but I go and take classes yeah. <laughs> just because, you know, and I'll spend, especially this last year, um, well, mainly because I was teaching. So <laughs> three hours of each day or, or no, I guess it was like, but we taught two classes a day, right, Matt? I think I did one um, a day. You had a double day. day, I think. Yeah. But whatever, like, three hours of your day is spent in a classroom. And then if you take a class, then there's another two hours. So, you know, five hours of your day, you're in learning stuff. Um, and then you kind of pop into the marketplace. This show is all about the marketplace. I know there were some presentations, I think along the way and a lot of kind of in booth presentations, but anyway, haven't been. So if you went, tell us what your takeaway was. Tell us, yo. Uh, so we have a voicemail here. Actually, it's two of them. And before we get into our kickback, I just wanted to play these. So this is from Barry. Had a couple of suggestions for show openers for us, and he he left those as, you know these are going to be good, right? Oh, if you're playing them, they must be. <laughs> they, they must be. All right, let's have a listen. Why don't I hear anything? I don't know. That's Hold the on. best opener. Isn't that good? It's a little <laughs> quiet. Make your own opener. Let me make sure that's not... 
Hold on. <clears throat> we might have a, a technical snafu here. I think the best opener is our pre-show. That's the thing. Show up to the live stream and just listen before we actually go live. Did you guys hear the, um, you guys heard the intro music, right? Yeah. Today, yeah. For the last few weeks, I've noticed that the show has gotten so much more. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. I don't know what the hell just happened. Let's try this again. Off to Barry. Welcome to Wood Talk. Giving contradictory and mediocre advice since 2007. Hey. Now here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Oh, what was that? Oh. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Barry, you jerk. All right, he's got one more for us. Welcome to the Wood Talk Weekend Show, where we fake excitement over the weekend, even though it's only Monday. Now here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Okay, that one's true. That one's very true. Oh, That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> Uh, thanks for that, Barry. Had a good laugh. Appreciate it. And let's get to our kickback here. So Joe left a message with a little bit of praise, a little bit of a patting our own backs here, but well, Joe said it. So technically he's patting our back. Hi guys. This is Joe Lipinski in Rochester, Michigan. I don't have a question or a comment or kickback this week, but more of an observation to share that maybe other listeners have had too. For the last few weeks, I've noticed that the show has gotten so much more entertaining with great conversation between the three of you, even in spite of the occasional attack by the hairy giggler. <laughs> I wondered what changed, and then it hit me. Back at the 10th anniversary show, Matt just came out and said that he was wrong for having way too much respect for you guys. <laughs> after that, the show's only gotten so much better. Thanks to you all for a great show and keep it up. <laughs> all right. Thanks for that, Joe. And I, I've said this before. It's just, oh, man. it's a comfort level. And I think he's absolutely right that, I mean, that really <laughs> makes it a very succinct thing, but <laughs> that is true. Once, once Matt got comfortable, things got better. I think it was the awkwardness when he said, I love you. And I didn't say it back. And it took me to, to finally respond before the, we hit our groove. Well, it takes a know. while to recover from an unrequited love <laughs> state. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you, you don't just bounce back from that. Uh, <laughs> when, when the Harry Giggler says, I love you, I'm not sure how to respond. Matt, the Harry Giggler Cremona. Yeah, that's good uh, stuff. Well, I mean, honestly, I think it truly is a comfort level thing. And uh, it takes a while for us to find a groove when there's a new host uh, interjected, especially since you know, the show's been going so long with the same host. It's kind of, you know, takes a while to, to, to get into some level of understanding and timing is what a lot of it comes down to. Um, and I think thankfully we've, uh, we found that sweet spot. Boom. That's by the spot. way, I think uh Harry mm-hmm. is available. Matt. Oh, Ooh. that was, that was last year's thing. All right. Get a new oh. stick for this year. The Harry Giggler. Oh, I mean the URL thing. Okay. <laughs> Buying domains. <laughs> we'll find something else that you could spend money on. Let's think about this, Shannon. We'll get back to you. <clears throat> stickers. <laughs> yes. New stickers you have to have made. You have to get your hair, Harry Giggler, Harry Giggler, Stickler, Stickler. That's really hard to, to, to say those words properly. All right, let's get to uh, Brian's kickback. Now, you remember last week we had someone call in who couldn't find lumber in Knoxville and Brian has some advice. Hey guys, it's Brian. I just had a little feedback for Gil from the last episode. Uh, he said he was in Knoxville and there's three places that I know of that he could uh, check out. Uh, number one is definitely Jeffrey's Woodworks or Jeffrey's Hardwoods in South Knoxville. Uh, Bob and Cynthia Jeffries are 
really nice people, really good to work with. Uh, they've got a reasonable selection and, uh, you know, pretty fair prices. And they don't mind you uh, sorting through the lumber. It's all stacked vertical, so it's nice uh, to get in and look at. Uh, number two is Wit Building Company. They have uh, they keep some hardwood in stock, and, and they'll let you go look at it and, and buy pieces that you want. And then there's another place called A&M Supply that is mainly a plywood dealer that also carries some hardwood. They mainly deal with uh, commercial customers, so uh, just have, just know that before you before you go in there. Anyway, hope that helps Gil out, and uh, thanks, guys. Very good. Good information from a local. We right. like that. Yep. Okay, this is another funny one. This is from Eric the Old Man, is what I'm going to call him from now on. Oh, boy. Hey, Mark Shannon and other Matt. This is Eric, the guy who had questions about drill presses last week. Hey, I just want to say that I'm 27, and not all millennials are ignorant of what happened before 1990 like Matt. My wife does say I'm 85 at heart. Maybe that's why my two hobbies are woodworking and golf. So, anyway, hand me that grape soda and Get off my lawn. <laughs> That's great about Eric, the old man, is he actually sounds like he's about 65 years old. He does. He's got a little bit of that that get off my lawn attitude. Just already. like, you know That's what? Nice. I'm, I'm over this thing called life. Like everything is just crappy now and I'm on the downhill slope. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? uh, <laughs> I, I thought he was lying about his age. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of that Wilford Brimley in his voice right yeah. there. That's awesome. Well, thanks, That's Eric, gonna... the old man. Anytime you want to call in and remind us how young you are that'll be uh that'll be fun <laughs> okay so we got another one here the kickbacks are fantastic and by the way these voice memos killer i love them it's so much easier for us the voice quality is good so please continue to send us those you can uh, actually understand it don't hear like the car noise in the background right exactly even if they do record in their car it's not as it's not as bad uh those skype recorded calls are just terrible um so yeah please please keep them coming and again that's wood talk what is it? Woodtalkshow at gmail.com? No, woodtalkonline. Sorry. That's a big mistake. Woodtalkonline at gmail.com is where you could send oh. those. Uh, so next one here is from Vic, and he has some thoughts on uh, art versus craft. Hey, guys. This is Vic up in Pasco. I'm calling about the subject of is furniture art. Uh, I, I agree with basically you all that it can and be, and it might not be. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with intention um, on the part of the person designing. Um, you know, if you're designing purely functionally and all you're doing is, um, you know, um, addressing things like that as an afterthought, addressing, you know, the grain continuity and things like that, probably not. But then you, if you are designing, um, you know, sketching things out and you know say you're sketching a chair or a table whatever but you're sketching it out and you're you're doing it with the idea of uh you know with the idea of form composition balance flow negative space etc and then you have to go back through and figure out well how do i make this functional what kind of joineries do i use um how do i address uh movement etc then i think you're more on the art world side of the the equation um Anyway, that's my two cents worth, and uh, but the reality is if you put a nail on a board and um, hang it up, uh, it is quote-unquote art. So uh, there is that, and have a good day. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for that, Vic. Vic's an uh, old friend of the show. Good guy. So let's see what else we have here. Uh, Matt, you want to get the next one? There's, uh, there's no uh, more I can do that, yes. 
<clears throat> Someone from Dennis. He says about your recent podcast on art versus craft. I find the distinction between the two insulting. Heck, hmm. even I can take a brush and make a painting as good as some of the greats in the art realm. Uh, I heard a case when I heard of a case where some art artist was paid thousands of dollars by the foundation for the arts for a bag of trash from McDonald's. To begin with, I am totally blind, and I've been so for the past 16 years. Back in 2013, I went to the Utah State Fair to enter a steel string dreadnought-style guitar I made the previous spring. I was told by the officials that it was a craft and not and was not eligible to be entered into the art portion of the fair. Their attitude was appalling. Wow. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. I did have to edit that down a little bit. He had a lot of extra... Uh, information in there, but he's got some quite a bit of experience building and he went into mm-hmm. some of the things that uh, makes his situation different being a blind woodworker, but um, really interesting perspective there. And you know what? I mean, not to, to go against what he says, but that, that goes back to the whole thing. I don't know that like, unless the guitar was completely off the wall and it just happens to also be a guitar. I don't know that I would think of a guitar as art. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about like a state fair where they have, you know, a ribbon for set categories, you know, yeah. there's a first, second and third place and they have to be really kind of structured on what goes into what category. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I can see kind of where they would say that because in their mind they're thinking art is like, you know, a picture the tongue on the wall or a photograph. I'm just thinking of our own state fair. And when you go to the art section, it's all paintings and photographs, the layman's you know, art. Right. And meanwhile, they have a quilting section, you know, and you could say, well, quilts are artistic, you know, the skill required to make that quilt or there's a whole knitting section. And we know that that's not artistic at all. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's it's It's a tough call. It's interesting. That is a tough call. Well, this next one's from William on the same topic. He says regarding what defines art. Art is an abstract construct and is and as such is undefinable to define something. It must be limited to parameters. One of the great things about art is that it's truly unlimited. There's no minimum skill level required. There is good art and bad art, but there is no almost art. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's unfortunately common that people tend to equate the word art with good, as is so often done. People think, oh, that such and such was so good, it's a work of art. I said that about uh, Chris Salome's videos, didn't I? (laughs) This stuff is a work of art. These people are fools and know nothing. I would agree with that last part. (laughs) In this context. Reading this back, I can't help but hear myself as some smug asshole. Something else you guys know I'm (laughs) self-aware. That's awesome. You know what, though? I I will have to say I agree with him. And I think that's why in that conversation, it was kind of like me versus you two guys because I just don't see the art. In a lot of this stuff, like it takes a lot for me to want to use that word on an object. You know, I just, I, I kind of, I've, I've definitely fallen aside of thinking uh, where William is here. Okay. Enough about well, that. This was one all, of our most. It all depends on your childhood upbringing, I suppose. I think you know? so. You're right. I will blame my mom for this. <laughs> she didn't expose me to art early enough in life or at all. Um, okay. So we got some voicemail here. Michael wrote in, he's getting dust, not shavings. Let's find out why. Hey, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Uh, this is Michael. Uh, so I'm following Mark's directions in uh, hybrid woodworking to sharpen card scrapers and cabinet scraper blades. Uh, you know, I'm following it step by step, and I've tried a couple of times, um, and I'm mostly winding up with dust instead of shavings. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm wondering if you guys might be able to 
specify or point to, you know, some step somewhere where I'm just not doing it right that might result in, uh, you know, in, in dust instead of shavings. All right. I appreciate any help. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. If you followed my stuff step-by-step, it would be working. Just saying. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, that <laughs> might yeah, be the first mistake. He, uh, he, you watch my video. He went to Mark for a car scraping <laughs> chart video. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's the elephant in the room, good right? Good point. Good oh. point. I admit it. I suck. So well, what is the method you espouse? Because I think card scrapers are probably the, like, there's probably more ways to sharpen a card scraper than any other tool out there. So what do you suggest, Mark? It's honestly, when I look into card scraping uh, or sharpening of card scrapers, I find there to be like commonality amongst the different techniques out there um, that are all pretty much the same. And you just find these slight variations. And I think a lot of times it just comes down to that burnishing process. Uh, You get everything else done right. Then the burnishing is where you might go wrong. And it may just be holding things at the wrong angle or maybe going too many times where you are folding it over and actually weakening that little bit of uh, steel at the edge. So I think that's where people usually go wrong and they overthink the burnishing. And uh, yeah. w- one thing that really helped me was when I watched David Marks do this, uh, he actually does the burnishing. Now, a lot of times I'll use my um, like little vice over here uh, just so that I don't have to hold it, but he'll hold it in his hand and put it on his knee and he'll do his burnishing that way. And that can give you an idea of how much pressure he's using and how many strokes it takes to develop that burr. And it's not as much as you think. So I think that's one area people are overworking the, uh, you know, what they're, they're trying to roll that edge. They're overworking it. Um, but the other thing I would think that could be problematic is they aren't doing enough prep work ahead of time. So the goal is to kind of make that square edge. If you were to look at the profile of the, of the, the scraper, you want to make it a truly square edge, almost like two chisel corners. So it has to be nice and sharp. So that means flattening the faces as well as the side. And if you don't get that right, then when you go to burn to do the burnishing, you don't actually have the material there that you think you have. So you're just kind of rolling it over the edge and not actually creating uh, the hook. So what do you, what do you guys want to add to that? That's at least from my experience, what I've seen. A lot of times what I find is that as you're, you're talking about the prep work, um, maybe you got shavings for like a pass or a pass and a half mm-hmm. and now it's dust and you're thinking what the what the heck man do i have to resharpen this cuz maybe you didn't hone the edge so you've used a file across that edge and you've got it nice and 90 degrees and square and everything but then take it to a stone and kind of refine that edge a little bit because if it's straight off a file it will work but it's it would be the same thing as if uh, taking your chisel and sharpening it with a file. It will get sharp, but the edge won't be nearly as durable because you don't have a, a really nice polished edge there. So that would be the first thing. And then what I recommend is don't don't roll a burr right away. Get it so that it's it's sharpened 90 degrees and you've got 90 degree corners. And then just take it to whatever it is you want to scrape and, and feel how that works. It, you will be able to get shavings with just a 90 degree edge. And you can get a feel for how that card scraper should feel when it's cutting properly. Um, Because you're right, Mark, I think people probably put too steep of a burr. So they're trying to get it to engage and either it's weak and it's just broken off the burr and now you've got a rounded over edge. Or in order to get it to engage, I'm actually showing it if you're watching the video, in order to get it to engage, you've got to lean it over too far. And then your your knuckles are dragging on the wood and you can't get the leverage on it. Ideally, the burr should be just off 90 degrees. It's a very slight angle, like one, two, maybe five degrees off of 90. And if you put the card scraper down vertical on the wood and just lean it forward kind of while you're pushing it forward, you'll feel it grab. 
it'll actually stop and you have to apply a little bit of pressure to get it to to push back. So, you know, I, I think that starting at 90 degrees with no burr whatsoever is kind of like the training wheels version. Um, and you get a feel for how it cuts, then slowly add that burr. Um, and I do, I actually think what you're saying about David and holding it in his hands, probably I'm trying to think if that's what I do now. It's very easy to put too much pressure if you don't do yeah. that. <clears throat> you know, if it's in a vice, yeah. you can go two handed with the burnisher and really lean into it. And it might just be too much. I think now that I think about it, cause I I'll put it in a vice and run the file over the top and then I take it out and I hone it on the stone and then while it's in my hand, I just run the burnisher down and it's like one, two, and I'm done, yeah. you know, and then I'll flip it around and do it the other side and, and I'm done. Uh, I guess it depends upon what you're using as a burnisher, but that's getting really like stupid specific and yeah. a whole other. Got anything rant. to add to that, Matt? Um, I guess I'll just kind of reiterate what you guys said about the pressure thing. The thing that like the hallelujah moment I had is when I, I saw Tommy Mack sharpen a card scraper in his, um, Oh, his secretary desk series. He was showed it in that. And like, he was like, Oh, I just light, light, very light pressure. You could tell like, I mean, he's got big arms. So like his arms weigh a little bit more than mine do, but I only use, <laughs> I use like, the weight of my arms. Like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I just like, I, he's like, he was saying how he's barely pushing it all and not pushing it all. He's actually kind of like keeping someone's weight off of the, the scraper. It's a really light amount of burnishing or pressure that applies to the burnisher. So when I saw that the first time, I was like, because every single time before that, I see everybody like white knuckling the burnisher and like they're going to like push the car scraper through their vice or something. But, you know, just really light pressure is all it takes. And that, that burr actually lasts a pretty long time when it's, you know, that fine mm-hmm. and it's not really weak at all. So it's I would say check your pressure and uh, everything else you guys said. Very good stuff. <laughs> well, thanks, when- man. <laughs> One thing I just thought of that that can really help with this is a lot of what people use as a burnisher. I'll just grab a screwdriver, you know, a burnisher is a longer type item, like a screwdriver. I started using a smaller burnisher. Uh, it's uh, my particular burnisher. I actually bought from a uh, Blackburn Toolworks, but because it's shorter and if you don't have a short one, really choke up on it. So there was only like an inch <laughs> of steel. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny. Oh, oh listen okay, back you and you will. will. All right, great. <laughs> if there's only... <laughs> wow now i know how matt feels oh sorry go ahead <laughs> anyway if there's only about an inch of steel outside of your hand as you're burnishing it's it's much harder to exaggerate that angle whereas if you're grabbing it you know when there's a six inches eight inches of steel stop it i really this would be so much better when i wasn't actually seeing your faces <laughs> you can more dramatically exaggerate the angle off of 90 degrees if you have a longer lever that you're working with. So if you're working with something like a screwdriver, grab the, the actual blade of the screwdriver itself. Mm-hmm. So there's only about an inch of steel outside your hand and you've got a lot more control over how much angle you're putting on it. And you'll feel a little bit better too. If you're holding it way back on the handle, you will have a tendency. There's just more pressure because you've got a longer lever you're working with. Mm-hmm. So at the risk of repeating myself, choke up on it yeah, and choke up on it, baby. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is speaking of Tommy Mac and the burnisher size, I've got a crown burnisher here. And then he did a, um, for a short period of time, I think it was in collaboration with pony tools. If I'm not mistaken, they were doing uh, scraper sharpening kits and the burnisher they sent with that kit is well, not quite half, but it's, you know, got a good inch and a half less than the crown burnisher. It is, it is a shorty. 
which I think is kind of interesting. But yeah, good point. Whereas my burnisher is like an inch and a half long of carbide and then like a four inch long maple handle. Yeah, that's teeny tiny. It it has it's it's a it's a game changer, I think, because I mean you've got so much more feel um over over the burnisher. The funny thing is is my crown burnisher is now the the peg and the parallel guide <laughs> of my leg vice. Nice. <laughs> Double duty, baby. Yeah. You know, very reuse good. and recycle. <laughs> nice. Okay. So we got a question on motor cycling, not motor cycling, but motor cycling. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. This is Jason in Apple Valley. So earlier this evening, my wife and I, actually, okay, she was listening to episode 138 of Wood Talk. So we're going back a few years. And the bit that I heard talked about it not being good for a dust collector to turn it on and off every you know too many times it's supposed to be limited to just a few times per hour um I'm trying to figure out why is that and if it is why isn't that bad for your table saw i mean you're not going to leave your table saw on for an hour straight while you arrange things and goof around with stuff generally not a healthy thing to do so um why is it different for a dust collector they're both similar motors uh, am i not correct please educate me thank you very much okay i don't know nothing about motors so i actually contacted the folks at oneida and got an answer but before i read this do you guys have any immediate thoughts on it i'm just hoping that wasn't my advice back in episode 138 (laughs) because i have that just sounds because I'm not following. I'll tell you that much. I turn my dust collector on and off all the time. <laughs> it would have definitely been something that I would have said because I've read that many, many times <laughs> in, in manuals and cyclone manuals. Now I'm you know standing what? here staring at the window AC unit and it specifically says wait three minutes before restarting. So <laughs> there's an actual like maybe that's the same thing. I don't okay. Know. The only thing I can think of for dust collector versus table saw is a dust collector has a higher starting load. Mm hmm. I would think it's about it. But other than that, like I would, I personally wouldn't care. That was the one machine that used to flip my breaker before I put in 20 amp circuits all the time. So right. See that. Well, and I think the physical load, uh, plays into it as well. Let's, uh, so I emailed my boy. The switch is just as easy to flip on and off as it was my table saw. So there's no physical. (laughs) You're a dork. Just letting you know. Uh, oh. So anyway, I email Mike at Oneida. And Mike says that the motorcycling issue you're describing is specific to large single-phase induction motors with magnetic starters. Essentially, when these larger motors turn on, they're already under a heavy load due to both the weight of the impeller on the shaft and the air resistance that they have to overcome before reaching max RPM. This generates a high amount of amperage and heat compared to a typical load. Repeatedly starting the motor continuously makes the motor hotter and hotter, which can wear out the insulation on some internal components, and if the motor's too hot, it won't turn on at all as a safety precaution. In comparison, three-phase motors and the smaller universal motors on almost any hand tool can be repeatedly turned on and off without issue. We recommend that the dust collector motor not be started more than six times per hour. Ideally, it should be left on while any tools are in operation in the shop. Some tools like lathes have motors that are specifically designed for repeated starts under heavy loads. But for a dust collector, the ideal application requires that they be left on continuously to keep the shop air clean. 
And uh, that's from Oneida. So I thought that was pretty good information. Hopefully a good answer to your uh, question there, Jason. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I like that answer. It does. Except for the motor thing on hand tools. I don't get that part. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> what was it that I posted? I posted something uh, recently and you said it would be a great place to rest your hand tools or something like that. What did I, I can't Yeah. Remember. Yeah. I think it was your, um, Oh, my router table. Wasn't it? Yeah. Your router table. <laughs> my new Inkra router Just table. <laughs> because of the precision in that router table top would be a great place for me yeah. to set my like rabbit planes. Yeah. A nice display for your hand planes. And I could precisely dial in the fence location <laughs> right. so that it would just be wide enough for the length of my rabbit planes. That's It'd right. Be good. I, I demand precision in my hand tool storage. You do. Nothing but the best for you. <laughs> okay. So let's get to our email here. Oh, by the way, just mention one more time. If you want to send us one of those voice memos, uh, you could do that at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. I got the email right this time. Okay, so email. Darth Rust wrote in, and he's uh, got a question about chisels. He said, there's bench chisels, butt chisels, dovetail, fishtail, skew, mortise, firmer. It goes on, like, for a while. The depth of chisel types makes me think that it's more than just marketing, but I don't know what I don't know. Is there something at the bottom of the rabbit hole, or am I being daft and thinking that a few selected bench chisels is sufficient for most shops? If your chisel collection were abducted by malign aliens who are not covered by insurance, uh, what selection would you replace them with? All right. Chisels. You know, I, I think this goes for a lot of different tools. You could find different variations and the deeper you get into things, the more you might start to see a need for some of these other things. But that said, I think most woodworkers, the vast majority of woodworkers can get by with a simple, you know, four piece, six piece bench chisel set. And you will get to points where if you start to get into finer joinery, uh, just an example, you're cutting dovetails and you're trying to remove waste between the pins, you know, and you're trying to get a, a regular chisel that might not have the right kind of, you know, bevel edge on it. And you're trying to get in there and you wind up actually gouging or, um, you know, denting the wood because you can't, the shape of the chisel just doesn't go into that tight angle there. And that's a reason why they have dovetail chisels, you know, and, and fishtail chisels can be good for cleaning out waste as well. So there are reasons these things exist, but you can usually get by without them. And just like anything else, the deeper you get, the more specific <laughs> your needs are. Hey, stop it. Don't do that to me. Only I do that to Shannon. Um, the, oh, more <clears throat> the more specific. That was an inadvertent laugh. I was thinking about like how funny it is because a lot of things. Anyway, it would take you into the whole like specific things. But then I realized the joke after I was laughing. So that wasn't yeah, even Matt, one of the jokes. Matt the was joke innocently laughing. I guess so that's just, woodworking. that's just where my You're head the dirty goes. One. <laughs> yeah. That falls firmly on your shoulders, Mark. <laughs> okay, then. I'm totally immature, as everyone already knows. <laughs> well, yeah, we already knew that. Don't worry. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think the deeper you get into these things – go ahead, laugh. Ha, ha, ha. The, the more you might find a need because you are just getting that much more picky, let's say, uh, about the results. Um, so – I'm curious from you guys, if let's say the bench chisels are out of the equation, because I think we all can see the value in that. If you had to go to a specialty chisel, what would be the first one you would purchase after your bench chisels? See, I'm kind of like in a different world with these. Like I wouldn't even need my bench chisels. I barely even use those. Really? Yeah. So you're like, using, I'm using like my, chisels? my butt chisels or my specialty like dovetail chisels primarily. And my bench chisels don't really come out ever or huh. very rarely. No kidding. Yeah, only my really wide ones will come out, but the rest of them, I don't use like whatever quarter. I could, I could see that though, because when you're pulling on hand tools, you're kind of into that refining stage, right? Mm -hmm. You're not really, yeah. yeah so <clears throat> heavy duty stock removal and stuff like that. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So it's your, that. so the butt chisels are the ones that you, you know, sort of are your go-to? Um, my go-to jewelry? ones are going to be my uh, Ashley Isle round back chisels. They have that round uh, profile to them or like mm-hmm. the round, um, like, I don't know. Cross section. There you go. That's the word. Jeez. Yes. It has a round, it has a half round cross section. So instead of uh, bevels on the top and then the flat top or whatever, mm-hmm. it has just a half moon kind of thing going on, nice. which I really enjoy those ones. Interesting. What about you, Shannon? It would be mortise chisels. Um, and that's a perfect example. You can cut a mortise, you can chop a mortise with a regular old bench chisel. Um, but if you do a lot of it, you know, if you really are into the hand tool thing and you are chopping out a lot of mortises, an actual, and, and even more specific, a pig sticker, English style handled mortise chisel, because the, you get the automatic alignment of that oblong handle. You get a much, much beefier cross section. You have a trapezoidal cross section. So that actually wedges free a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if you're just chopping the occasional mortise, yes, a bench chisel works perfectly fine. Um, but the more and more you do it, you know, you're going to want a specialty chisel. And that's the one that I probably reach for yeah. uh, more than my, my bench chisels. Cause I do use my bench chisels all the time. Right. Cause I'm just better than Matt. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, well, we're new to that. <laughs> I, I would say this is also one of those things where, and this goes for any tool in the shop. We'll be talking about tool acquisition on the weekend show. So this kind of ties in a little bit, but Spoiler. Yes, you know, yeah, spoiler alert. You know these things exist, but it doesn't doesn't mean you need them. So wait until you <laughs> absolutely no. <laughs> I'm what? sorry. I need them. I know I, that goes against everything most of us believe in. Uh, but yeah, wait until you have a need. You know, you you get into a situation where you keep ruining this thing because you just don't have this type of chisel. That's when you go out and buy that thing. Um, especially in the world of chisels, you can get by with a single set of just bench chisels for a long time. And, and Matt, if you didn't have those other specialty chisels, you could probably do quite a bit, you know, just with your regular bench chisels. If you didn't have those other well, options, I that did are a little bit more tailored to you back in the day. I did. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you it were was a little less efficient or a little less enjoyable, but yeah, I did. You can get it done. He found a need that he, he needed to choke up on the chisel. So he got a short butt chisel. That's right. That's See? disgusting. All right. Um, Matt, you're up. Ah, oh, always ending on a joke. Every, I think every single one of Mark's emails ends on a joke. Can't help it. I just think it's indicative that I'm the only baseball fan here because I say choke up on it and I'm just immediately it's totally innocent. I don't, wow. Nobody talks like that. Yeah, who, talk, who says those words? <laughs> those aren't real words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was, all right. <sighs> get it, get, well, put on your shot collar. I need to shock you when you <laughs> take right. when you take too long. Shock him back into the show. Come on, man. <laughs> I have to say though, this is probably one of my most enjoyable like hour and a half, two hour blocks of my entire week. That's good. Good. Yeah. It's a shame we're trying to get it down to sixty minutes. Yeah, we're trying to shorten it for <laughs> you. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Let me answer a question here. Go ahead. Whatever. Do it. All right. Uh, it seems like Mark set off a YouTube woodworker slash maker migration. So many YouTubers I follow are currently in the middle of a shop relocation. April Wilkerson makes something. I like to mix up shop built Dayway Tyler and a couple others. I'm sure all of them are going to going through similar, similar. Wow. Similar decisions Mark had to make about what was worth moving. It made me think about Matt and his literal tons of things that are in his backyard. My question for Matt is, what would your exit strategy be if circumstances as opportunities came up that made you consider moving? 
how much would your bandsaw mill and stacks of lumber factor factor into the, this decision to move or not? So I'll say this. I think anyone who's in, who's like a grown up will kind of understand where I'm coming from with this. When I bought this house, I didn't plan to be here forever, and I don't plan to be here for very much longer. But you know how plans kind of work. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't plan things. <laughs> Are you plan something? No. Just go on. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more oh. about your moving place. How are you going to move all that crap? Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, we are actually looking to uh, get into a position where we will be moving. Um, hopefully next year sometime. Uh, so, and that's been like the the plan in the back of my mind for a while now. So, hmm. like, I built, I built a bandsaw mill here with the intention of moving within, like, two years of building it. So, actually, I don't know. Some people worry a lot. I don't really worry about things. Like I got better things to do with my life than worry all the time. You'll figure it but, out. Like when you need to I, move that thing, you're going to figure it out. I already, I mean, I already figured it's not like, it's not that hard to move that. Like, um, I would need to have, but just to move my shop, like it would be probably good to have to either rent or buy a forklift or a skid loader or something to be here to like put my jointer on a trailer, or put it on a truck or whatever. So like, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to have that here anyway to be moving stuff because I just have that kind of big stuff that just makes it, I mean, you could do it like Mark had it done with some big old guys who come in and like manhandle up, whatever, but I probably end up doing that stuff myself. So having that stuff around would be helpful. And I'd like to move out He's to somewhere. You, that was a that, shot across the bow. That right was there. really that was, a shot, man. Mark Seriously. is more of a stand back and let someone else do the work kind of guy. Mark just hires his people to do things, I just like to I've watch it myself. I just I'm like to watch man. burly guys moving tools. Okay. <laughs> I just want to see some guy drop my table saw in the back of a truck. Perfectly legitimate. (laughs) Well, here's here's what I say. It's like Uh, Matt said himself, I have better things to worry about than moving tools. (laughs) (laughs) I would just rather get other things done while someone else is straining their back. (laughs) But no, I I admire people who have the, you know, ability and, and, and knowledge to operate the proper equipment that can get those tools safely transferred from, you know, point A to point B. I just don't have that skill set. Yeah, well, when you were doing it too, it's like dollies and that stuff. No one came out with a forklift. Yeah, there were no forklifts at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it would be quite an undertaking, though. I mean, uh, the material and stuff like that. I mean, but uh, you're handling it yourself, so you can kind of, you'd probably be able to go on your own timetable. So it wouldn't be as like essential that everything be done within a like two hour window. Yeah, exactly. I just so. think you've already built a bandsaw mill. Just think of how much better your second one will be. <gasps> Good point. When you get to yeah. the new house. Nope. nope. How much quicker nope. it will go because nope. you've already had that experience. Nope, 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 nope. Nope, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Now, if some woodworker comes and sees your house and goes, oh, I'll buy it if you throw in the bandsaw mill, you know, you might reconsider. We know how well that worked for Mark. They, they would Having have a woodworking throwing... shop in the deal sold his house instantly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Only if it like increased the sale value of the home by like I don't know, at least fifty thousand dollars. I I'm not doing that again. Probably not happening. So yeah, it's probably going with me. I think most people wouldn't really need that or want that in their yard anyway. So mm-hmm. unless they were an up and coming woodworker who wanted to do some big slabs, but you know, it's or possible. <laughs> yes, that's true. What is this thing? Uh, <laughs> you should go watch it, man. So that is that's a little homework. bit. Um, that is a little bit weird how many people are in the process of moving right now? I think it's because 
like everyone in that list, well, maybe not everyone in that list, but everyone's kind of like in the same place in their lives, I guess, where they probably were in like a starter home yeah. or they, they've come to with enough success in whatever they're doing to be able to move to a more desirable place. Now that they're making no, YouTube yeah. money? Yeah. I wouldn't be. say that, but, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, I don't yeah. know what everybody's financial situation is, but, Let's you know, Let's perpetuate maybe, that myth. <laughs> Maybe that's working out well for him. I don't know. We yeah. have our own financial goals that we want to achieve for this year, and then that will kind of t- determine the time frame for the actual move. But yeah, that's cool. I, mean, I, just, I think the housing market has taken a bigger, huge turn as we've come out of the recession. So I think a lot of people have been kind of wanting to move, but realizing there's no way I'm going to be able to sell my house without going upside down on it. So let's wait. And now mm-hmm. the time is right. That's go. true, too. Yeah. It's definitely come back around as far as pricing goes. Especially, at least in my area, it has mm-hmm. been very interesting like that. Cool. <laughs> Not so much in Denver, but that's all right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> things are constantly just going up in Denver. There's never a good time to buy. Actually, the best time to buy in Denver, yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Good time to sell. <laughs> right. All right, this email comes from Trevor. He says, I'm trying to learn how to use more hand tools and become sort of a hybrid woodworker. All that right, sounds Mark, like a good this. idea. Yeah, you should take this one, Mark. Okay. Uh, there's a book out there that you should <laughs> buy. Uh, I own a block plane, spoke shave, and a Lee Nielsen low angle jack. While I understand that the low angle jack may not be the absolute best at every job, are there certain blades slash angles that I should have beyond the one that it came with? I want to use it to its full potential. All right. This see this goes into the weekend show as well. This is another one of those tool acquisition disorder things that come up um, because you go to Veritas or Lee Nielsen and you can buy a jack plane, a low angle jack specifically, or you can buy the bundle that comes with four different blades like and a bundles. hot dog attachment and a Bluetooth uh, stereo adapter and all that stuff. And we 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 look at that and go, well, I must need to have four different blades for my low angle jack. I would say if you are self-identifying yourself as a hybrid word worker, I think you're probably fine with that single blade that's probably sharpened at 25 degrees just because my next suggestion would be to get a blade and sharpen it with like a, a you know a heavy angle, a heavy camber on it to be used as like a foreplane. But if you're a hybrid woodworker, you're probably not going to be milling your stock by hand. You've got a jointer or you've got a planer. So I would throw that one out the window. Then you say, okay, well, maybe a higher angle blade would come into play. There's something to be said about that, but I I don't know. Um, I I would say you'd be better off buying yourself a smoothing plane. You're buying a higher angle blade. You know, you wanted to deal with some really kind of tough grain stock or a heavily figured stock. And at that point, what you're just trying to do is smooth it and get it nice and clean and things like that. Well, the longer sole of the jack plane is going to kind of defeat you there anyway, um, plus if you're working with most of, you know, the friendly, friendlier woods out there, even some of the, the really hard jungle woods, you'll be just fine with a 25 degree angle blade. Worst comes to worst, sharpen a micro bevel on it or a secondary bevel at a slightly higher angle and you'll be fine. Um, this is one of those things where I would wait until you have a definite reason to, to do that. And I think you'll be waiting a long time before you really absolutely say, boy, this would be so much easier if I had a 38-degree blade. Um, and I guarantee that you will never get to a point where you say, boy, I wish I had a 90-degree blade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that one at all. It's yeah, that a one's a little blade. bit of a, just, that's a little Yeah, that's, that's just called extending the use of the tool a bit too far. And, you know, <laughs> buy a scraper now. Don't go buy a 90-degree blade. So, yeah, I, you know what? 
take the money you would buy on another blade and go buy a different tool altogether because I think you'll get more use out of a different tool for whatever that specific need is than trying to further extend your jack plane because he's a hybrid woodworker. This were a whole hand tool guy, it would be a totally different conversation. I'm going to disrespectfully disagree, you turd. Okay, well, that's okay. You should be used to being wrong. <laughs> I should be. <laughs> By now, after 10 years, I, I, you think I'd be used to it, but I'm not. Okay, so a low-angle jack plane blade is 40 bucks, And I do think that there is value in at least getting that one more with a higher bevel angle. Because I think, it, like, folks like you, Shannon, who, like, dedicate your life to hand tools... <laughs> You, you geek out on this stuff so much that you have like tricks up your sleeve. I think that, that help you deal with tricky grain situations. Uh, um, good point. You good know, point. there are certain, yeah. there are certain knowledge milestones that you've hit that allow you to hit these things that let's say I might confront them and go, well, this just thing, it just isn't working. And honestly, so the 38 degree blade is the cheat code. In other words, kind of. Yeah. I mean, so pop if that you, blade in and ta-da, you're on level seven. And if I could just ah, pop a it. different blade in and get a better result, that actually might be something that's very appealing to me as opposed to, I don't know, like just all the little details and things that you can do. I mean, low angle jack planes, a little, you know, simpler in terms of its construction than say like a, a bevel down plane where you're uh, dinking around with a chip breaker and all that stuff. But my point is for me, there's a lot of times where I'll, I'll try a figured wood and I'll be like, well, dang, I'm getting a little bit of tear out with this thing. And I'll just pop that other blade in there and it actually solves my problem pretty quickly. So for 40 bucks, rather than, you know, going to a whole different plane and putting that toward, cause you're not going to get very far with $40, especially for buying Lee Nielsen or uh, Lee Valley tools. Um, but that $40 blade could make that thing pretty versatile, especially if you're using difficult grained woods. I bet you if you sent 40 bucks to Matt, you'd get a whole lot of wood for it. Probably. Well, you can get it for free. Everyone. Heard oh, yeah. That, that's right? just so. shipping. That's just double shipping. <laughs> yes. No. Excellent point, Mark. I, I, I concede you have, you are right. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. I, I, I look past a lot of that stuff Thank you. because I've been doing this hand tool thing for a while. <laughs> right. So I mean, if you want to cheat your own skill set yes. and go for the shortcut, grab a second blade. But if you really want to better yourself as a woodworker and become a better person in general, <laughs> donate to charity and join the hand <laughs> tool go. school. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Nice. Good stuff. <laughs> Oh, Just shoot. don't buy the 90-degree blade. Buy the 38-degree blade. Yeah, the 90 Or even a the 50-degree blade. Not the 90-degree blade. It's kind of a tough sell. I mean, if I had the 90, I would just grind it down to something else. <laughs> right. make well, it that's useful. what I thought I was at first. I thought, oh, you know, because like, like a Lee Nielsen will sell molding plane blanks yeah. to oh, create your yeah. own. That's what I thought they were doing. Like, right. oh, okay, you're supposed to grind that yourself. That's a lot of grinding. Oh, man. That's painful. I don't even know. Like, would that, would that work well as a scraper? I mean... Sure. Technically. Yeah. Um, it just seems just seems like the wrong tool for the job, frankly. <laughs> <It does. laughs> uh, okay. How much is a card scraper? That's gotta be forty bucks, right? Can't you buy a card scraper for under forty bucks? Jeez, you could buy you could buy a set of card scrapers for yeah. under forty bucks. Lee Valley set, I think, is around that. So there you go. There's your forty bucks. My are you making are... too much noise? Isn't Nicole No, my lights lights? are going on and off. I don't know why. I think someone just hit the light switch in the house. Um okay. Could be the dog. Who knows? Uh, so we are going to be doing an email extra show for our uh, friendly neighborhood patrons, $4 and higher. So make sure you go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and support us at that $4 or higher level. And you'll get access to all of those email extras. They're a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, what to do when you only need a few more inches on a tabletop. I could have cut that short and made a good joke, but I didn't. And... Uh, <laughs> 
you know the scenario. You've got like two really wide boards, but it's there still are good jokes, and there are bad jokes. There are no almost jokes. That's right. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's very snotty go. of you. How dare yes. you? Uh, but you I'm only need like a couple more inches to to finish the full width you're going for. So what do you do? And that's what we're going to talk about in the email extra. Uh, so if you want to support the show, you can certainly do that. Patreon.com slash WoodTalk. You can also go to TWWstore.com and pick yourself up a WoodTalk t-shirt. You could leave us a review in the iTunes store. Just look us up in the store and click on ratings and reviews. Give us a sweet, sweet five-star rating. And Shannon, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. Tweet! If you have stuff to tell us, you can do it. Send us a voice memo. We'll accept no other format. That's Basically. right. No more. <laughs> no other format. It's all over. Mark has cut it all off. It's nothing but voice memos. Voice memos are bust. So you can send us that voice memo using the voice memo app on your phone to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or if you just don't want to do that, go to the contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Leave us your comment there. Or just go to woodtalkshow.com. Look up this episode, 380 something, three, I think it is. And uh, leave a comment there. We actually read those sometimes respond to them mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can go to twitter at wood talk show or facebook and you can leave comments there that we won't see until after the show so there you go that's it very good all right well thanks for listening everyone we will catch you next time see you bye goodbye to you <laughs> that was so very formal <laughs>